We're finishing up a series called Liar, Liar. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, Liar, Liar, see how they handle that? Yeah, that's not good, is it? Anyway, and the whole premise of this series came out of our key scripture. Our key scripture for the series was John 8 and 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our premise of this whole series is that, you know, you and I have bought into some lies. We don't know it. We didn't realize it. And that those lies have kept us from walking in freedom. And what we did was we attached that to the premise of what a Christian is supposed to be. Mark chapter 16, Jesus qualifies what a Christian is. He qualifies it when he says this, and these signs shall follow those who believe. If you're a believer, say me. me. All right, a third of you. Let's try it again. If you're a believer, say me. me. Oh, there you go. These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. If they drink any poison or touch any deadly thing, a snake or something, it won't harm them. They will pray in other tongues, and they will lay hands on sick people, and they shall recover. If you and I aren't doing that, it's not because we're bad, or we didn't pray enough, or we're not good enough. It's because something has gotten down in there that kept us from believing the truth of who we are, who we, how we can live, how we're supposed to walk in his power, his favor, and his glory. And so what we've been doing in this series is try to identify how that has happened to us and how we can actually fix that. And so what we did was the last two weeks, we looked at Satan's big two lies. We started at first, the first part of the series, the first, uh, the, uh, the first segment was, we identify that Satan is the father of lies. He disseminates lies. He doesn't have any power over us unless we receive that lie, and that lie begins to propagate inside of us. That's the only power he has. He can't come into your house and kill you. He can't drive you off the road into a ditch. All he can do is put lies in you, and when you and I receive those lies, instead of rejecting those lies, they begin to propagate, and they take space. And that space is where God is supposed to have his truth at, but instead, it's been filled with lies. And so what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to blow out those lies. And what we did was we looked at the two big lies that we see Satan propagating in scripture. We started with the book of Genesis where his first lie, where he went to Adam and Eve, they they were in paradise. It should have been beautiful. They should have been fully content. And he began to challenge them and began to bring the lie of dissatisfaction. Is that really good enough? I mean, you know, if you eat of that tree that he told you not to eat of, you'd be just like him. Wouldn't you want to be just like him? Why don't you want to be like, just like him? He's scared that you're going to be just like him. And he's done the same thing with many of us. Your Christianity, that's not good enough. Why don't you keep doing this? Why don't you keep having premarital sex? Why don't you keep cheating on your spouse? Well, isn't that more fun than trying to be the goody-goody Christian person? And that lie of dissatisfaction, that's how he used it. Then we looked at his next big encounter that we see in Scripture, and that's with Jesus. After Jesus has been validated, after God the Father says, this is my son who I'm well pleased, Holy Spirit comes and lands on him. John the Baptist says, this is the guy, bro. This is the guy. Then the Holy Spirit pulls Jesus out into the wilderness, some have some time alone with the Father, and at the end of 40 days of fasting, Satan comes, and he says, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he begins to bring the lie of what we call discouragement. Discouragement is to steal, discourage, discourage, steal courage, take courage, no courage, or to steal our confidence, to steal our validation. And so I begin to teach you that this is how he works. And when the moment you don't think you're good enough, the moment you don't think God really loves you, that God actually is the one who caused you to have the car accident, all these lies that we buy into, all because of the baseline of the lie of discouragement, to steal your courage from being a person who follows Jesus. Jesus with these signs and wonders following us. And so he wants to discourage you from doing that. So today, as we close out the series, and I've been waiting for this to actually teach you how do we blow out the lies. I had this experience two weeks ago that just made me angry. 
I'm sitting on the couch for a moment, just got home from work, and uh, Cohen comes walking through. And I don't know if it was like PBS or Nat Geo, but one of the channels were doing this whole thing on Komodo dragons. Has anybody ever seen a Komodo dragon? Uh, have anyone ever seen one live somewhere like in a zoo or something? So they're, these Komodo dragons, they're the largest lizards on the planet. They get up to 10 and 12 feet long. They are huge. They, 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 they can weigh three, four, five hundred pounds, I think, or six hundred pounds. They're humble and they're vicious. And in their saliva is such poison that when they bite you, what they'll do is they'll bite an animal that's way bigger than them, and they'll just wait for, that, for that, their saliva with all the poison in to work over them until they literally fall down dead. And then they'll go eat them, and then they ravish them, and this kind of stuff. Well, they were talking about this one village of, of villagers who um, actually, these Komodo dragons are destroying these people. And they have lived with them for scores and scores and scores of years. And they've got their little huts. And they were interviewing them. And they were telling how the Komodo dragons would come up in their huts and steal their children, kill their children right in front of them. And they were telling all this kind of stuff. And the whole time, the interviewer is like, and of course, you know, they're translating. The interviewer is like, why do you let them do that? And then they went to the old, old, old matriarch of the village. Little old grandma, little, uh, you know, the sun just withered her little face, looked like leather. And she said, well, my great-grandmother, when I was a little girl, told me where the Komodo dragons came from. She said that the princess of our village was pregnant with twins, and she gave birth, and one was a human baby, and the other one was a Komodo dragon that when it came out, ran out into, the, out into the jungle. And so as a result, they're our ancestors, and we can never do any harm to them. These things are coming into their village. They're walking all throughout their village, and they're in fear of them. They can never turn their back on them. Friend, you know what they need? They need somebody to tell them the truth. That ain't nothing more than a lizard, and somebody needs to bring a 12-gauge shotgun over there with a big old slug in it and begin to lay out some, and begin to blow out. See, what the problem is is you and I have done the same thing. We've let lies get in there, and what we need is somebody to help us blow out the lies. Because you can't put truth in anything where lies have filled the spot. So we got to get the lies out so we can fill it with truth. Some of you don't realize you can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You're still worried about the porn issue that you got. You're still fighting the depression. You're still trying to overcome the fact that you're scared that you're going to be poor your whole life. And you're not raising the dead. You're not healing the sick. You're not casting out devils, which is according to Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow those who believe. The problem is you don't really believe it. The reason why you don't believe it is because your whole life you've seen something different. You've been told something different and you received that as your truth. And it's not your truth. What the truth is, is that you're God's son. You're God's daughter. You can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You can cast out devils. If any dead deadly thing touch you, it will not harm you. You don't really believe that because you've been through some things and you have some lies that you've held on to. Well, you know, it didn't work that way. Well, you know, uh, that could be my ancestor. If we hurt that dragon, that, that old nasty dragon, and it's okay for it to kill my child because I don't want to hurt. It could be my great, great, great spirit of my great so-and-so living in them. How foolish is that? It's foolish for you to believe that God doesn't love you, that God's not for you, that God can't fix your marriage. Come on, somebody. So what we have to do is blow out the lies. In today's teaching, I'm going to give you a couple of practical pieces out of Scripture. What the Scriptures say, you're not going to like some of it, and that's why the lies continue. But some of it, if you embrace it, will actually help you blow out the lies. Our key Scripture with today's teaching comes straight out of the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive every high thought or every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What I love about this passage is it's actually teaching us to stop being so defensive and start being aggressively offensive. In other words, when you recognize, hey, these thoughts, they're not from God because they work against the knowledge of God. So what I have to do is demolish arguments. I have to demolish, if you will, every pretension that sets itself up. I love how Dr. Clarence Walker illustrated this, or excuse me, identified this passage of Scripture. She said, a stronghold is a forceful, stubborn argument, rationale, opinion, idea. Ooh, you ain't got no stubborn opinions or ideas in your life. Or philosophy that is formed and is resistant to the knowledge of Christ is resistant to the knowledge of Christ. So you come to church, and I'm trying to tell you who you are in God, but you get back home and you don't believe a word of it. I'm trying to tell you that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, and you get home, and pornography keeps telling you you're not a conqueror, but you have been conquered. And so what happens is, see, again, what you believe is how you act. What you believe determines who you are. And so some of you, all of us, if you will, have beliefs and rationale that are not from the kingdom of heaven. They're from the pit of darkness. And you, we don't even realize it. Simple things. Simple things like, no, I have to work three jobs for God's favor to be on my life. I have to burn myself out to provide a nice house and nice clothes for my children. Friend, those are all not truths. He said his burden is easy and light. And he says that he will give you and I the ability to care for our families. Dad, you got to get this. And what happens is these lies set in, and we then become overwhelmed, burned out, frustrated, and we never become the man or woman of God Jesus intended us to be. So with that being said, let's dive in today how to actually, how, how to actually blow out these lies. So I'm going to give you a couple points, and I think they'll really touch your life today. How to blow out these lies. Number one, write the first one down is, number one, you got to own it. Got to own it. You got to own the fact, each and every, including the pastor, that we all have some areas that we've been deceived in. We all have we all have some little lies that have permeated our life and and affected the way we think and the way we live and the way we act. You know, I love. <laughs> you can't fight an enemy that you won't admit exists. You can't fight a problem that you won't admit that you've got. He said, well, "I don't know if I have any problems." Ask your wife; she'll tell you. Ask your husband. He'll point out. I, don't, I think I, I'm full of faith. Mm-hmm. Well, ask your coworkers. Ask your small group. And, I, I, you know, it's so funny because I was thinking about this earlier this week. You know, um, retail stores years ago finally owned the fact that they had a problem. That they were losing 15 and 20% of their money. And they didn't know why. And so they finally said, we got a problem. Let's figure out what it was. And as they dove into it, this has been years and years ago, they realized... They were being robbed. People were shoplifting. And so now every major retail company has a loss prevention department. And guess what the loss prevention department figured out once they began to put them into place? That 40% of their theft is coming from their own employees. Their own employees. Half of what they're losing is coming from the people that they're paying. The people who are supposed to be loyal. So you've got to own that. That half of what's being stolen from you has come inside your own house, inside your own heart. 
inside your own mind. You're blaming it on God. You're blaming it on the devil. God's like, dude, it ain't my fault. Satan's like, ooh, I'll take credit for it, but I didn't do it. Thank you. I'm not that good, but way to go. Woohoo! We'll take credit for it. All because you've let the enemy steal and lie from you, and those lies have set in, and now as a result, you propagate the same lie. Well, the Lord's never going to do it. Well, I don't understand. Well, you know, it's just so hard. Well, I can't do that because of this. And when you, anytime somebody starts well in a sentence in response to something I'm asking them to do, I already know. Well, I don't know, Pastor. Okay. Because I'm trying to get past the lie to get to the truth that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against you can prosper. All those that rise up against you shall fall. Sounds like a good sermon, and it is a good sermon, but at the end of the day, if you don't believe it, it's a waste of my breath, a waste of your time. So we got to get past the lie. So the first and foremost thing, how are we going to blow out those? You and I got to own the fact that we got some deceitfulness inside of us. Not that we're deceitful, but that we bought into some lies, that we bought into some half-truths. We bought into a little bit of manipulation that God's not good enough. God doesn't love you in that, that God can't help you overcome that, that God's not for you in this kind of thing. Well, only if you pray this much and you do this much, only then will he respond. We got to get past all that and own the fact I got some of that. Here's the second thing that you and I got to do, and it's real simple. We see this all throughout scripture. You have to learn and speak the truth. You have to learn and speak the truth. How do we take every thought captive? By what we say. And we only can say what we know. So we got to go learn the Word of God. Listen, if your only source of truth is me on Sundays for 35 minutes, Lord help you. Because you got a lot more lies coming your way. All that music you be listening to, get your groove on, get your thing on, and all that stuff, you know. So I don't listen to that, I listen to country. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Well, my truck broke down and my wife ran off with another man. My life sucks, but it's okay because I'm drinking this beer. You got all this stuff coming at you, coming at you. Every TV show you watch, every, every sitcom's got to promote GLBTQ thinking. Every, every article is angry at authority. Everything, all authority is the devil. Come on, somebody. And so all this boom, 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 boom. And I tell you, wait a minute. The word of God says that all authority has been set up by heaven. You're like, that ain't true. That ain't what Fox News says. That's not what CNN says. That's a good sermon, preacher. But I tell you, that ain't true. Well, I don't know what to tell you other than what his word says. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So the second way, first you've got to own the fact, yeah, I probably have bought into some stuff that's not what God says. I believe some things based on what a professor said or based on, an, on a, you know, a thing that happened to me back in the day. And I believe some things that probably don't line up with what, what God says. Well, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth. So what he says is the truth. It doesn't matter what CNN says doesn't matter what I say. It matters what he says. And when you learn what he says and then you begin to speak that, that begins to push out all the lies. you got to speak it. I love what David said in Psalms 119. David said, listen, I, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David said, listen, I realize I'm stupid. I realize I got things that ain't right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hide your word in my heart every day. And that word will be there so that when lies come, I won't sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against. Not enough, though, to simply go know the word. Now you've got to begin to speak the word. Because why? Life and death is in the power of the? Life and death is in the power of the? So when you and I say, hey, I'm dumb, I'm sorry, I'm so stupid, I won't let my kids say that. Like, what are you doing? Well, I'm not doing so good in my grades. It doesn't matter. That's a learning lesson. Woohoo! You're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. 
Well, I'm dyslexic. Listen, that's good, but you may be dyslexic, but you're a dyslexic person who's being healed by the Savior, King Jesus, and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So you have to speak life. Now, I want to give you a balance on that because there's a lot of teaching on positive confession. There's a lot of preachers who are what some people would deem prosperity preachers, and what they, what they want to do is when they begin to try to teach you on speaking life instead of speaking death, then, then all of a sudden you say, well, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do all this. So I want to teach you a balance in this whole speaking life, but at the same time owning the fact that something negative is happening. That, that you got a tough circumstance. There is a balance in this whole thing. In, in uh, Pastor Tom's book, you know, Liar, Liar, which you all should go get off of Amazon, phenomenal. He told a story, and I've had this experience a couple times, but he, he told it better. He said he showed up at church one morning, early in the morning, first service, and there's a lady greeting at the front door, and he comes walking in. And she's, her eyes are all red, snot stripping down her nose, and she's coughing and wheezing and sneezing. And he goes, sister, how are you? She goes, uh, praise God, I'm healed of the Lord. He goes, oh, okay. And she goes, but pastor, I need you to pray for me. He said, for what? I mean, you're healed in favor of the Lord. See, what she needed to do was say, hey, I'm really struggling, I think, with flu symptoms, but I am healed by the power of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to teach you that. And here's a little statement that I would give you, and that is circumstances are not empowered because you acknowledge they exist. They're not empowered because you acknowledge they exist. What needs to happen, though, is faith is making circumstances acknowledge that he exists. I might be in a difficult time in my marriage, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He will never leave me or forsake me. I may be fighting cancer, but cancer can't kill me because I can't leave until Jesus Christ says I'm to come to heaven. Until that point, I've got purpose on the planet. Ephesians 1, 4, he's found, before the foundations of the earth, he picked me, he chose me. So you know, though I may have just gotten fired, God is still good. And what some have taught is that you can't even say that you got fired can't even say that you're uh, uh, dealing with sickness because that somehow depowers truth. Truth isn't scared of, 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 of a situation or a circumstance. Power of God flows through that. So you don't have to be scared to admit, hey, man, I'm going through something right now. Hey, I'm struggling with something right now. No, you admit I'm struggling with something but God and his word says. And when you begin to say what his word says, it begins to negate the circumstance and the situation. But the, pretending that the circumstance doesn't exist is foolishness. We don't see that in Scripture. We don't see Jesus doing that at all. We don't see him walking through the wilderness and Satan's tempting me. I don't see you, Satan. I don't hear you. La, 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 la. I'm not going to acknowledge that you're here. Just the opposite. He said, all right, I hear what you say, but let me tell you what God says. Let me tell you what the Word really says. I hear what you're doing and what you're trying, and I acknowledge that you're here, but I don't allow you to take authority over me. Don't let the circumstance have power over me. My faith kicks in, and I say what the truth has to say about the circumstance. Come on, are you there? Say yes. So, number one, you got to own it. Number two, you got to learn and speak the truth. Friend, get a Bible. So, I just don't read real well. Download the Bible app, it'll read it to you. It's amazing. Put that joker on in your truck on the way to work, and instead of listening to all the people who are dying and being murdered and all that junk and all that kind of stuff, let the Word of God just begin to wash over. And as that thing washes over, it'll begin to tear down those strongholds. And you're like, dang, I didn't know that. Dang, I didn't know God said that. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I thought my grandma was the one who made that up. No, she didn't make that up. That came out of the Word of God. And then what happens is as you begin to, as you begin to permeate over the thoughts and the, and the truths of God's Word, what happens, it begins to nullify the lies and begins to blow them out got to clear the pipe. You got to clear it out. You got to clear out. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. That's cool. Man, God's good. Okay. Here's the third thing. You still with me? Say yes. Oh, I'm sorry for this next one. You do not want to hear it. I am so sorry. 
the church today does not, oh man, it's a Christian curse word for some of you, but we'll go anyway. Number three, you have to submit. I know, right? Wait a minute. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to control me. No one dictates my destiny. Mm. Well, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That passage is saying if you'll submit to God, that will give you the ability to resist the devil and he will flee. What does the devil do? He can't control you, so what does he do? He propagates lies. If you'll submit to God, Satan can't propagate lies in your life because you're submitted to God. This submission thing is really difficult for a lot of people. They want a little bit of Jesus because they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to make him Lord of their life. You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I can give you a great example. I remember being a Christian. I loved Jesus. I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted fire insurance like everybody else. But then I read that passage which says, and love your enemies and do good to those who despitefully use you. What? You want to get a neck rolling? Ain't nobody going to use me and tell me what to do. I'll tell you, I will cut you. I mean, none of us would allow that to happen, not in our present way of thinking. But he says, allow them, pray for them, love them, do good to them. When I read that, I was like, I don't want to be a Christian. This is not good. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to do that. I want to get revenge. I was the most revengeful person. They still pick on me because if you mess with me, I will plot your demise. I mean, I really, like, I'm not going to deal with it right then. Oh, praise the Lord. And then you'll go to your car one day and your doors are taken off and your your wheels are laying in the back of your husband's truck. Like, how did that happen? (laughs) Roll my house with toilet paper. (laughs) No, I really had to get delivered to that, I promise you. Because I grew up with a grandmother who had been done wrong by her husband. And I was taught by her, you don't let anybody take advantage of you, Adam. No one take advantage of you. And then here I am as I'm growing in Christ and trying to learn to submit to his lordship where he says to me that all authority has been set up by God. Well, not that authority because that, th- that person's an idiot. I, not that one. But as I submit to God, I'm submitting to I'm submitting to what he put into place. And that brings us to the second part. So submit to God. And then number two, it says actually in James chapter, uh, let's see, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. Also, we need to submit one to another. I know it got quiet in here. I'm sorry. I hate to teach God's word when it's truth and we don't like it. I mean, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when I submit to you, it's not necessarily because you're so great or so amazing. I'm doing it for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Why are we doing out of reverence for Christ? Well, let's back up. Theologically, I want you to, and just even philosophically, Jesus is God. Do you agree with that? Say yes. God wanted to save humanity. So he looked around and what's the most valuable commodity in heaven that I can pay the most expensive price to get humanity? And who did he pick? Jesus. Jesus had a will in this whole thing. We see it all throughout Scripture. And he said, I will willingly go to the cross. I submit myself to the desires of the Father. I don't know about you, but there would have been a moment. I'm going to tell you right now. Had I been Jesus, there would have been a moment. Probably in those 39 lashes, with probably about 15 lashes into All right, that's it. Fry, fry, fry. I would have fried everybody. And I'd be like, let's start over, Dad. Let's do another one because this group ain't worth it. 
I'm going to tell you right now. I'll be like, nope, I'm done. No need for the cross. I just melted everyone's brains. So there we go. <laughs> That's what I would have done. I'm going to tell you right now. Raiders of the Lost Art. I just fried them all. Right then, they'd all melted. But Jesus, the Bible said, did not consider it unworthy to go to the cross. He went to the cross and he submitted himself to it and was not humiliated by it. He submitted to it. And so when we submit one to another, it says that we're actually reverence what Jesus did. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I have been in full-time ministry since I was 19 years old. Mega ministry my whole life. I have worked for some of the worst leaders on the planet. I'm telling you. Sitting there like, God, how in the world do I have to submit myself to their life? And then the Bible says clearly, submit one to another in reverence to the Lord. Then it also says, and all authority has been set up for the, by the Lord. And it's God's job to correct authority, not mine, but mine simply to submit to it. That was the hardest learning lesson for me. I'm going to tell you right now. To make him Lord of that area of my life. When you and I begin to submit to God and to one another, it blows out all of those lies. That you have to be important. That you're not validated. And when you and I just walk in humility like that, the key to submission is humility, right? In fact, that first passage that we read out of Ephesians chapter um, excuse me, James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. If you'll skip down to verse 10, it says it like this. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So submission takes humility. Humility takes confidence. Where does that confidence come from? Knowing who I am in Christ. Right? Well, if I don't know who I am, I'm full of lies. That I've got, no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm not, I, no one's going to devalue me. Well, if I'm already valuable, then it doesn't, I, can, I can actually humble myself. If I already know who I am in Christ, you can't abuse me or abuse me. Why? Because I know who I am. Not only that, I know where I'm ending up with this whole thing. And I also know a principle that you don't know, Satan. <laughs> and that is, if I humble myself, he will lift me up. So here's the problem. My job is to humble myself. God's job is to lift me up. So what happens is you and I try to switch jobs with him. We try to lift ourselves up, which forces him to have our job, which is to put us down. Like, I don't know why I'm being humble. Because <laughs> you keep elevating yourself. So we switch jobs with God. God's job is to lift us up. Our job is to humble ourselves. We, Lord, I just humble myself. Ooh, he lifts us up. God, wait a minute. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'm the one deserving of that promotion. I'm going straight to the boss's boss's boss, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And as you start elevating yourself, wow, that's amazing. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't work there anymore. It, it plays out practically. So if you want to blow out the lies and begin to really receive that truth that you can walk in and become the men and women of God we're called to be, first, first and foremost, we've got to own the fact that you know, we've got, we got some junk in the trunk. We've got some lies that are still permeating us, causing us to act a certain way that's not, because it's not truth. We've got to own it. Second thing we've got to do is we've got to go find that truth out of the Word of God. He is the truth. Everything else isn't the truth. What his word says is the truth. That's why you know, 50 years ago they said, let's take the Bible out of schools so the kids won't know the real truth. That was a whole plan by the enemy. Why? Because, what, so where is truth then? Where is truth? Let's just talk philosophical. Where is truth? Every man, every man and woman comes up with their own truth then. Well, I think it's this way. Well, we can't talk bad about that because we have to validate that you think that that's right. So, where, so where's the line? Where is truth? Every man gets to pick their own truth. That's where we're at now in our nation, which is awesome. This is awesome because now we're primed for revival. Because what, what happens is that doesn't satisfy, and we end up, at some point, we'll end up in complete confusion, which is where we're on the verge of right now. 
which is awesome because then everyone's going, this is crazy. This is, life is terrible. Where is real truth? And we'll say, we know. We, 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 it's right here. The creator of us, the lover of us, the only one who really loves us enough to send his only begotten son. This is what truth is. Oh, wow, check that out. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Wow, I can live my life like this? Yes, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so you and I then have to submit to God, submitting to one another. And here's the final and fourth piece, how we blow out the lies. You ready? Number four, you're not going to like this one either, but it's in Scripture. And that is change your company. I know, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Paul is dealing with the fact that the Corinthians have bought into some lies. He's ticked at them. 1 Corinthians is this. 1 Corinthians is a letter like this. Wah, 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 wah. By the time you get to 2 Corinthians, they've repented. He's like, oh, I love you. I'm so sorry I had to whoop you. That's the two books, I promise you. So 1 Corinthians, he is dealing with lies. People have wormed their way into this amazing group, of, this amazing church where people are so radically saved and moving in the gifts of God and the power of God's happening. And some evil people have gotten in and begin to propagate lies. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And it's so confused. And so he smacks it. And we'll pick up right here in verse 33. And he says, okay, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals or good character. You just thought your mom always said that. It came from the Bible. Verse 34, come back to your senses. Like, what are you doing? Why are you believing this? Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. You're ignorant, which means you don't have understanding. In other words, if you're ignorant, that means you're believing lies. You're ignorant. You don't understand the truth of who God really is. And you're going off living like this because someone told you it was okay. That's a lie. Come back to your senses. Bad company corrupts good character. You've allowed the company that you keep to begin to propagate those lies inside of you. And now you're believing things that we never taught you and the Bible does not say. All because you've been ha- who you've been hanging out with. Listen, there is more misappropriated doctrine coming out of locker rooms and break rooms and any, well, my mama said, well, I always heard this. And, you know, the Bible says this. And it said, ooh, ooh, does it really say that? And if it does, does it say it like that? And is that, the, is, that the, is that how it was lined out in the Scripture? Or did you just pull something out to try to make it mean something that you wanted it to mean? That's why we got to know the Word. And that's why we got to be careful with the character of the company that we keep. <laughs> Never mean years ago. Man, this, this guy got radically saved, man. And he was, I mean, a friend of mine got radically saved. He had been through just hell on earth. I mean, about to lose his marriage. His kids are all ending up, going to end up in jail. I mean, just one mess after another. He's on the verge of alcoholism, trying to co- cope with it all. And he finally came to me, and I led him to Christ. And man, it turned around on a dime. I mean, it turned around. Promotions happened at work. Peace, joy, confidence, depression left. I mean, just phenomenal. As he just submitted himself to the Lord, it was going on. He was doing great. And then about four, five, six, eight weeks, I don't remember how many, into it, ooh, here comes the phone call from his old bro. Dude, let's hang out, bro. Next thing you know, they're talking shop, talking old school stuff. Before you know it, they're going out getting a beer just, just to laugh and talk before you know it they're drinking all the time before you know it he's not coming home from work on time come on somebody not seeing him on Sundays anymore hiding out shame sets in guilt sets in so he didn't want to go to church because he feels guilty and he don't want the preacher to tell him which is his friend to tell him what's wrong with him he don't want to hear about it he's going to work it out in his own he's going to overcome it you know he's going to do he's okay don't judge me and he starts doing the whole process two years later hadn't seen him two years called 
Wife has left me. Kids are in jail. Lost my job. I hate my life. Thinking about killing myself. All because of the company that he allowed back into his life. Tell you something. My, my mother-in-law, my mom and dad, they're the most precious people. But if I had a mother-in-law or a mom and dad that were constantly, every time I got them on the phone, well, you know it ain't real. Well, you know it ain't going to last. Well, I tell you right now, sister so-and-so said this. And I tell you right now, you need to tell them where they can go jump on. And blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what I would do. Hey, I got to go, click. If I was sitting around the office with a bunch of people who were constantly propagating lies, and I could feel the dirtiness and the shamefulness telling those just vile jokes. No wonder you're struggling with truth. There's no space. It's all filled up. And, and here I am. I'm trying to help fill it up. I'm trying to teach you truth and trying to get that truth in that space. But what happens is you let, you've allowed so much of those lies to get in there. And, and, and then no matter what I've taught you, then those lies, they just start getting down in it, getting down in it, and trying to get more down in it. And here we are, like lies on top of truth on top of lies. And what we got to do is we got to get that out and get that stuff out. And as we get that out, the truth will begin to permeate you. Then you'll start healing the sick. Raising the dead, casting out devils. This is the place. This is the place where shame and guilt is able to continue growing. Where the truth is, you'll know it and it'll set you free. How fun to walk, wake up every day and go, man, I'm a sinner saved by grace. God loves me. Woohoo! Let's go attack the day. What a, what, how, how simple minded if you will, is truth. Just embrace what he says. I believe it. I'm going to do it. That settles it. And so the reason why Americans now have more Bible tools than we've ever had in the history of humanity, but Americans know less of the word than they've ever known, is because of lies. That somehow I need a better preacher to entertain me and to explain to me these truths. Truth doesn't become set into your heart until you yourself grab it. You can't work off of my truths that I'm sharing with you. You have to work off the truths that God's sharing with you. He will use me. He will use a devotion. He will use, you know, a coworker, a parent, a friend. Absolutely, he will use you to help enlighten you. But at the end of the day, you're not seeking the tool of enlightenment. You're seeking the God of enlightenment, Jesus Christ the Savior, the way, the truth, and the life. And when you and I blow out the lies and begin to embrace the truth, you will, I promise you, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You will walk in victory. You will speak life into death situations. You will be an overcomer through Jesus Christ. It's not because you pray more than everybody else, read the Bible more than everybody else. It's because truth is abounding where lies used to be. When the truth is known, it will set you free. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and life more abundantly. When he stood in the synagogue, he read the Isaiah passage that I've come to set at liberty those who've been captive. Again, our key verse, one more time, look at the key verse with me for this, for this teaching, because this, this has to be the piece that you hold on to, and that is 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, 
And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I go through my day making thoughts captive. You cannot drive I-20 or I-35 without needing to take some thoughts captive. So I do this on a daily basis. I'm doing, in the name of Jesus, murder is not uh, uh, the will of God. I take that thought captive right now in Jesus' name. Seriously, I'm con- I promise you, because I, I talk when I drive. Are you a talker when you drive? I talk when I drive. Like, how can you be so? I love you. Jamie gets to laughing at me because I'm like, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Go and sin no more because you should not have a license. I'm going to tell you that right now. I am telling, I am constantly taking captive thoughts. I have kids. I'm constantly taking captive thoughts. Thoughts to demolish. All right. But it's their very existence. I work with people. I work with people all day long. Oh, my God. And I love you, but you have some real stupid moments. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I love you with all of my heart. But there are times when I'm just like, it would be easier to get you to heaven right now. Because I don't think you walk any further and you're going to be dead anyway, so we might as well just close it out right here. I'm just telling you right now, on a daily basis, I have learned to take captive those thoughts. And how I take them captive is just like I taught you. You know what? I own it. That's a thought that's not from heaven. <laughs> that is not like Jesus. That is me. I repent. And part of, part of submitting to, the, to, to one another is repenting to one another. Look, I, 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And that's wrong. That's not like Jesus. That's why I want you in small group life. Because see, here's the problem. Here's the reason why people don't want to get in small group. Because when we get in small group, we have to be obedient to that scripture. Submit one to another. And I have a question for you. Who can correct you in your life? Who? Who can tell you, hey, bro, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Hey, that's not like Jesus. You say, well, my wife does it every day, all throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, but who will you listen to? Who, have you, who would you surrender to? Who would you say, okay, I disagree, but okay. That's what, if that's what you see, I trust you. I know you love me. I trust you. I, 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 do you know that 90% of Christians don't have anyone like that? You know what people tell me all the time? God told me. God told you. So I challenged. God told you. How did God tell you? Well, I was driving down the highway. And I said, God, if I see 10 blackbirds, I know it's your will. It's, it's springtime. Of course you're going to see 10 blackbirds. You saw 1,000. I know. So I knew it was a 1,000 time blessing for me to do what he wanted me to do. It's like, see, and no one can tell you anything because you're not submitted to anybody. No one can correct you. No one can say, no, I really think that's crazy, by the way. I love you. And so your spouse is counting on that you go to church and that the pastor's going to tell you. We've got a couple thousand people that call church on the hill of their church. They can't all get to me. And then i got to sit there and go, listen to all that? Nah, that's stupid. I, I can't. You, I have a pastor. I have people I submit to that can tell me I'm crazy. We don't make major decisions in this church without a team of people. I'm the chief of that team. I'm the captain of that team. So what I want and what I feel like God said, most of them are like, okay. A lot of times they're like, ooh, pastor. Like the time I wanted to have an an ex-porn lady come and preach to y'all. They're like, pastor, mm, are you sure she's free? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. It's a great testimony. And they're like, nah, I don't think we should do that. So we didn't do it. I was mad about it. I was like, that would be awesome. (laughs) 
<laughs> and all the ladies are like, no, we're not doing that, Pastor. They worked here. They were on me about it. Like, mm, we love you and we believe you might hear from God, but not on this one. You missed God on that one. Do you have anybody that can tell you that? That's why you need to be in small group life. You got to do small group life with us so that someone can say, hey, you're crazy, by the way. I love you. But no, you're 80 years old. Don't, start, don't try to date the 20-year-olds, okay? You messed up. Stop it. What's wrong with you? Stand with me all across the room. I hope this has helped you a little bit. What a great series. And you will know the truth, and the truth will? Say it again with me. And you will know the truth, and the truth will? How many of you want to walk in freedom? Half of you. All right, the rest of it, we'll pick you up on the next year or something. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to grab hands of the person next to you. And I want us to be family today. I have been crying out for a church that would be the church. It's been my desire since I was a kid. Lord, I want to be a part of a church that's the church where the ushers can cast the devil out of you. What if people working in the cafe pour out more love than any grandma who's been saved 80 years could ever pour out? I've always wanted to be a part of church where, where the people are like Jesus and where it's not dependent upon the preacher and the worship people and those who have positions but every person understands who they are in Christ the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of those people in that church and they know it and they know how to rightly divide the word of truth and they can heal the sick and raise the dead and you don't have to go get some special group but all you got to do is get in the parking lot and the lady who just parked next to you is sitting there finishing up a Bible reading that she had before she went to church and you say, ma'am, can you pray for me? And she casts the devil out of you and gets you healed and you never even made it into our services. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the people I want to do life with. You and I got to blow out the lies. We got to. We got to start growing in God. That truth's got to start permeating us where it affects us different. We act different. We love different. We submit to one another. We love Jesus different than everybody else. Where we touch the world different than everybody else has. We got to get out of the lies and get into the truth. With your hands joined for just a moment, close your eyes and I want you to pray over the person on either side of you that God would reveal to them that God would do it. Not the preacher, not a message. God would reveal to them what I haven't even covered. A lie, a fear, an insecurity that's permeating them. A doubt, an unbelief that's gotten down in there because what happened to them 20 years ago. Because what grandma said on her dying, on her deathbed. Because what so-and-so did, what what, what that last preacher preached that really didn't make sense, but they said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll submit to it. But now they realize it's not true. Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we pray for one another, I ask you to show us, show me. Show me what I bought into. Show me the deception of my own mind, my own heart. Lord, show me, Lord, what holds me back from healing the sick and raising the dead and being the man of God, the Christian that you said I would be, that these signs and wonders would follow me. Lord God, let every man and woman in our church, let faith arise in them in this moment. Let them know who they are in you, oh God. Lord, let the lies of the past just begin to get squished. Let them get blown out of the pipeline. Let truth begin to settle in. Lord God, as we submit to you, submit one to another, as we go learn the word of God and begin to speak it instead of speaking death and instead of speaking uh, half-truths, and we start speaking the truth. Lord God, that we own it, that we need your help. Oh God, I need you. I, need, I don't know what I don't know. I can't see what's a blind spot. I, I don't know it, God. You have to show us. You have to help us, oh God. And Father, we thank you right now, Lord. Help us, Lord God. Some of us have gotten in some bad company and it's confusing and we're, and, and we're weirded out at times, but we don't know what to do. Lord, help us 
to extract ourselves out of that bad company that corrupts good character in Jesus' name. Let there be a boldness, Lord God. Come over us and say, you know what? I want God and I want him more than anything else. And I'm willing to sacrifice this season, this relationship for this season until, until this can come forth. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now in Jesus' name for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Let go of the hand of that person next to you. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. I want to pray for anyone who say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. I'm not, man. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. Man, I've just been struggling with sin. I, I know God loves me and stuff, but, man, I don't think I've ever made him the Lord of my life. Maybe you'd say, well, Pastor, when I was a kid, I said a prayer, and I went to Sunday school and stuff, and, or I went to Mass. But I'll be honest with you, man, I, I don't really know Jesus. He's not my best friend. I, I don't even, I mean... I see life here, and I want that same life. Friend, I got good news for you. The Bible is really clear that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will call you a son and daughter. So, yeah, but, you know, I've done that in the past, and then I went back to my old sin. I understand that. But as you submit yourself to God today and make him the Lord of your life, let me tell you something different that's going to happen. He's going to actually give you power to overcome that sin. And though you may make some mistakes and fall down and go back a little bit, let me tell you something right now. God will sustain you. That's the God we serve. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not a Christian. I'm away from God. I used to be a Christian, but I'm not anymore. I want to come back to God. Would you let me pray with you? You've never been a Christian? Or you want to, or, or you used to be and you've fallen away and you want to come home? I'd like to pray with you. No one's looking around. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not trying to point you out. You just need to make a solid decision. You need to just own it today that it's time to be right with the Lord. And this is going to be t- between me, you, and Jesus. No one looking around. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. It's time. I'm ready. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. You are so precious. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, ma'am. Some amazing men owning it. Just own it. It's time to change. It's time to give myself to God. I'm tired of living like this. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. You can put your hand back down. Two more seconds. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, don't let me miss out on this. It's time. Okay, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Now, you put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. That prayer is like if you and I were, if you and I were at a party, Jesus is my best friend, and I, and I know you, and I grabbed you, and I brought you over to Jesus, and I said, hey, man, Jesus, I want you to meet Tom. He's my friend. And y'all started a relationship right then and there through communication. That's what this prayer is. It's me, and, it's me standing between you and Jesus and connecting you two. And then once that connection happens, he becomes your savior by the confession of your mouth, will of your heart. From that point forward, he's going to be your best friend. So I want to lead you in a prayer of connection, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of giving yourself to Christ. So in fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this out loud with those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I acknowledge I've lived for myself, for what I wanted. But today I ask you to forgive me. And today, I decide you are my Lord. I ask you now, come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Jesus, I belong to you. And I'll serve you forever. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand. I pray right now the peace of God would come. They would sense they don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church. They don't have to do good deeds. They belong to you because they asked. You did everything else. You paid it all forward 2,000 years ago. You paid for every sin. 
You paid for all the sickness and disease. You gave us the ability to be healed. Oh, God, you love us. And I pray they would sense that love like never before. Lord, the old lies, whatever religion that they participated in in the past, whatever, whatever false understanding they had, that they had to be good and not be bad, that, Lord God, that they would just be delivered right now. And they would know that you are good. And as they fall deeply in love with you day after day after day after day, if they fall more in love with you, Lord God, they'll start acting like you and start being like you. And that it's a beautiful journey of learning, exploring, and experiencing your goodness. Father, thank you for your kindness in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it, amen.